0: Uh, last night we uh, had the opportunity to discuss on uh, do we know who the king is? do we know our king uh, for those that were not able to be with us last night i 'm going to do some recapping on a few things, but I first want to explain what is why i 'm so excited about this particular subject that about who our king is and uh, there was several months ago uh, i heard a I heard a clip uh, on facebook uh, i guess it was a clip my dad sent to me on youtube and and listening to this clip, uh, he got really excited about it, and uh, and I got really excited about it. And then as we are preaching, both he and I back home, we find ourselves preaching on very different topics, but we see how they, you know, mend together very well, how they're crossing each other, and how it's hopefully helping our, our congregation back home. And so this clip that I heard uh, was... was uh, by a preacher uh, from the fifties, and uh, and uh, the name of uh, the, the gentleman is not coming to my mind right now, but uh, he he spent about three and a half minutes just describing who our King is, and uh, so if you have your Bibles, I want to begin in very the very place I began last night, and in Matthew chapter twenty-two we have a, a moment where a lawyer has come to Jesus and he's going to ask him a question, and he, when asking the question, he's trying to tempt the Lord, tempt our Lord Jesus. And uh, he, you know, and and really, I think I identify a lot with this particular verse because I think this sounds a lot like me sometimes. And maybe you identify with it as well. That maybe it sounds like you. That when we read God's word, we come asking questions that we probably shouldn't ask. But you think about this lawyer who asked this one question. He says, "What is the greatest commandment in the law? What is the great commandment in the law?" And so that sounds a lot like us a lot of times we want even as children i 've got my own two children with me here this weekend, and sometimes they 'll come and ask a question, and they 're wanting to know just like you know if I can, can I have a piece of candy and you know and they say, well, if they can 't have this piece of candy that they, they ask for, well, well, can I have just a little piece of this candy or a little you know then they start thinking oh it 's the size, so maybe if I ask for a smaller piece of it well that 's kind of like what this gentleman 's just done with the law and coming to our Lord and asking well what 's the great commandment, maybe if I just follow the great commandment." you know that's all you know that's all that's really need, i need to do and that sounds like us sometimes when we want to do just the, doing the bare minimum if i can say it that way and in thinking about that this question that was was proposed to jesus he says in response to him he says thou shalt love the lord thy god with all thy heart with all thy soul and with all thy mind and this is the first and great commandment the second is like unto it thou shalt love the na- thy neighbor as thyself on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. And these scriptures have been on my mind for several months here recently. And in thinking about them, it's, it's pondered me because over the years, you'll have people that will ask you questions and so, especially ministers who preach the gospel, who preach this particular verse, they'll come up to you and ask you, well, well just who is my neighbor? In other words, doing the bare minimum, well, I can be nice to this person, but I don't have to be nice to these other people. And it's always been fascinating to why they would ask that question. And it's because we're trying to do the bare minimum and not living up to really what God's word tells us to do. And so then it's caused me to ask myself another question. uh, In genuine, to answer the first question of who is our neighbor, it's everybody. It's anybody you come in contact with. It could be the cashier at Walmart. It could be the checkout person in, uh, at the drive through line. It could be your physical neighbors in your homes. It could be your coworkers at work. It could be your family members. It could be your spouses. It could be your children. They're all your neighbors. And you need to treat people. And in a society today where they're talking about many different dynamics that are going on, the, the, the golden rule really does stand true today. Treat others how you want to be treated. You know, that's really what it means to love your neighbor. But we find ourselves struggling to do that because I think we don't love our Lord enough. And then it caused me to ask myself another question. Well, why don't I love my Lord enough? And in, in asking that question, is like, well, maybe I just don't know enough about him. And I compared that last night to me, you know, dating my wife back nine years ago prior to us getting married. And this goes back probably 13 years now. And I remember in the first few months of us dating, I, I couldn't hardly get her to talk. Uh, if I asked her how her day was, it was usually one word answers like, how was your day? Fine. You know, uh, you know. What did you do today? Went to school. Um, What did you learn? You know, she'd tell me the name of the class. Wouldn't tell me what she learned. She'd tell me the name of the class. You know, and it was all these short, short, one-word answers. And I knew that if I was ever going to get to know this person, I was going to have to, you know, you know, get it out. You know, like drawing blood from a vein and trying to, uh, you know, just. And so I just kept hammering and hammering until finally. About, after about five or six months, you know, she really started opening up a lot more. Uh, maybe, not, well, I might not, well, not be far off on the five to six months there. And uh, anyways, and so I knew that And as the more I got to know her and the more I got to talk with her and the more I learned about her, her history growing up in Florida, the different cultures that she came from. She's from South Florida. You come to Jasper, Alabama, it's the middle of redneck country. It's not South Florida. And so the more I got to know about her, the more I loved her. And so then I started applying that principle to our Lord. If I don't love the Lord enough with all my heart, soul, and mind to get to the point of loving my neighbor, and to, on these two principles hang all the law and the prophets, then I've got to learn more about my Lord. And so he calls us to learn about him in Matthew chapter 11. And we turn over there and read, and, and, uh, and we'll just start in verse 27. It says, All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me. Now I'm not. There's a, there's a message in that in and of itself of talking about the yoke and how. Uh, we, uh, about uh, us as the child of God being yoked up with our Lord. And as Brother Dolph mentioned last night, our Lord's doing 80% of the work, maybe 90% of the work and we're yoked because we're yoked up with Him. And, you know, that's why He's telling us it's easy because He's carrying the load. We're following His guidance, following His Word. But He says, come unto me, He says, uh, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, learn about Him. And so I would ask you today: a majority of Christian churches that I have been uh, talked to, and if I talk to people at work about Christianity, about where they go to church, most people just can tell you that they love God, and that God is love, and will And it's very easy. You can turn over to First John chapter four and read all about how. And you, and my, and of course my favorite verse in First John four, I think is uh, verse nineteen: "For we love him because he first loved us." You know that's one of the great truths that we find. But, you know, that's not where it stops. God's not only love. And if I had the time this morning to be able to describe to you all the things, and I'm going to touch on a lot of them this morning just uh, briefly, but God is so much more than just love. He's a judge. He's a lawgiver. Uh, He's our rock. We spoke a lot about the rock last night. We're going to continue on that theme a little bit this morning. He's our shelter. He's our refuge. He's our hiding place. He's he's, a... a hedge of protection he's our defense he's our strong tower he's our high tower um there's many things that we need to learn about the Lord go over to Isaiah chapter 9 and read about how he we call him wonderful counselor the mighty God he is our prince of peace okay so many different things that describe our Lord. We, we know that He's all-powerful. He's a consuming fire. We know that He's omnipotent, all-knowing. We know that He is omnipresent. He's everywhere, present, and nowhere absent. And we know that He doesn't sleep nor slumber. Okay? So I'm asking you today, do you know Him? Do you know who the King is? And if you know who the King is, if you know who you're relying on, and if you know who you're following every day, then it makes the load that much easier. That makes that Scripture come to life in your, in your life. Okay, it makes it come to a point of realization for you, so that you understand. Yes, if I know who my King is, I want to know Him more. I want to love Him more. We sing that song uh, in our hymn books. There's, it's written in two different uh, uh, tunes. I want to love Him more. There's another song that says, "More about Jesus, what I know. More of His uh, grace to others show." You know, there's wonderful songs that we sing. Do you really want to know Him more? Do you want to know more about Him? And I challenge you. How much do you really know him? We can talk about John chapter 15 over there where he speaks over there where he is the vine and we are the branches. And his father in heaven, he's the husband, husbandman. And how he tends to the field and how he purges those, uh, those branches that are purging fruit. And if they're not bringing forth fruit, he, he cuts them off. And that's not a message that you're going to hell. We believe in an eternal Savior, okay? That is a timely portion there. Uh, and it's a purging that, that has to be done. Uh, and, of course, a lot of teaching there, but maybe another time. Uh, but mainly in that, that, that uh, chapter, John 15, that I wanted to grab was that he encourages us to abide in him. Abide in him and him in us. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Learn about him. Abide with him, Okay? And of course, if you're wondering more attributes of who our Lord is, you think about the book of John in itself. We learn in John chapter 6, we read over there where he is the bread of life. We go over to John chapter 8, where we learn that he is the light of the world. You also read over there where he says, before Abraham was, I am. And the Pharisees didn't like that very much because uh, basically, you know, they, they were always talking about their father. I mean, he's like, before Abraham even was, I am. And they didn't like that, but... Continuing through John, you read over in John chapter 10, he's the good shepherd. He's also the door of the sheepfold. You go over there and continue on, he's also the way, the truth, and the life. He's our resurrection and the life. So many things that describe who our Lord is. Go to Revelation chapter 1. You'll read over there that he's the first and the last, he's Alpha and Omega. And I'll read it again this morning, just for uh, just to keep to keep us on uh, point here, at least my brain, because it may get scattered. And it says over in the Revelation one chapter uh, verse eighteen, "I am He that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore." Amen. And have and keys of, and have the keys of hell and de- of of death and hell. Who do do you know him this morning? Do you know who the King is? uh last night we had the wonderful privilege of talking about how he is our rock and uh this morning i want to continue to follow along a similar a similar line of thought. david would talk about him in second samuel uh, verse twenty two uh chapter twenty two and verse two and we'll turn over there briefly before we go to psalm chapter uh seventy eight is where i want to begin in uh second samuel twenty two in verse 2, he said, well, let's we'll start in verse 1. And David spake unto the Lord in the words of this song in the day that the Lord, uh, Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all of his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. And he said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The God of my rock, in him will I trust. He's my shield and the, and the horn of my salvation. My high tower and my refuge, my Savior, thou hast savest me from violence. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Think about all the attributes of God that were just described in that verse along. How he's our deliverer, our horn of our salvation. He's our shield and fortress. He's our refuge and high tower. David gave thanks unto the Lord for all the things that he was delivered from, especially out of the hand of Saul. After the after the kingship was removed from Saul, Saul sought to you know after David and tried to kill him on many different occasions. And yet the Lord, uh, our, our, yet David praised the Lord because there was a hedge of protection about David because David was on the rock. David and he called out and called him the rock several times. He called out that he was standing on the rock. Many times in his Psalms that he wrote. We read one last night that, you know, when he, when he was in, in trouble or he would go to the rock that was higher than him, okay? I, w- I want to seek the rock that is higher than I. And we as God's people ought to want to do that very same thing. So in our, in our lives today, and in beginning in uh, Psalm chapter 78, in Psalm chapter 78, David wants to recall here about the nation Israel and about them coming out of uh, the land of Egypt. And he wants to recall a little bit of history here. And it's about how, despite the unbelief of the children of Israel, and I want you to understand this this morning. As we talked about last night, we talked about standing on the rock, not only the church being founded upon the rock, and we described that rock out of Matthew 16, that that rock was the fact that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. I missed that a moment ago. Turn over to Matthew 16 and you're going to read that beginning in verse 16, 18 area over there. And so we believe that Jesus is, the rock, is our rock. He is the cornerstone of the church. But then we carried it to more personal thing that it ought to be the cornerstone and foundation of your family. It ought to be the cornerstone and foundation of you as an individual that you have a rock that is higher than you that you can stand firm on. Okay? And so the nation of Israel, there's, a rebu- there's There's some history that's going to be told here, but God continued to guide them despite their unbelief. They came out of Egypt's land, and there's so many wonderful works that happened, and we're just going to read, them, read a few of them this morning. And then what I want to eventually get to is I want to get to the two accounts where Moses... Through the instruction of the Lord brought water to the children of Israel by the power of God through the rock. Okay, now this is going to be a little difficult to get through a little bit this morning because some of it's going to seem, I want I want the scriptures to kind of come alive to us all as we go through this. You have to somewhat self-identify into the scriptures. How does this apply to me? This is not just some old English that we're reading. These are true events. And as I stated last night, uh, Romans chapter 15 says that the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. So we're to take these things and learn about him and learn about the, uh, the God who does not change Malachi records for us. He's the same in the Old Testament as he is in the New Testament. So we need to learn about him had a preacher friend of mine reach out to me and ask me this question here recently. He says, do you think the wrath of God stopped uh, at some particular point in time? And I, said, no. and I quoted to him that verse. I'm the Lord God. I change not. I said, I think his commandments to us are just as real today. That if we don't follow him and stand on that rock, as I spoke about last night out of Matthew 7, we'll be like ones that will build our house on a sand. And when the storms and the floods come we will fall greatly, okay? So here in Psalm 78, I'm not going to read all of this, but we're going to start in um, verse 9. Well, verse 6. That the generation to come might know, might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. A little bit of generational uh, testimony here. Let's back up to verse 5 and read this again. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. What a phenomenal thought, right? That you would take the teachings that you have been given and that you would then be able to take them and teach your children that those children may be able to teach their children and that those children may be able to teach their children. Generational teaching. And he says in uh, verse 6 that the generation to come might know them, even the children which would be, should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. That's us today. That we, the reason we continue to establish to make sure that we are founded upon that rock is so that we teach the next generation that we are established on a rock. And then over in uh, Corinthians 3, we, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, we read last night about be careful how you're building upon that foundation. Whether it's you as an individual, you as a family, or the church. As you're building up, never forget that Paul came preaching that nothing save Jesus Christ and Him crucified, okay? And so we need to make sure that we remember those things so that we can teach our children. And it says in verse 8, "...and might not be as their fathers a stubborn and rebellious generation." That set not their heart aright, whose spirit was not steadfast with God. So something happened. They weren't firm on the rock. It's kind of hard to believe because we're about to read some things here. And you're going to think to yourself, how can the children of Israel, after seeing what they saw, after witnessing what they went through, and after, I mean, how could they not know that, the, that He is God Almighty? Blows my mind away. We have a much better truth today. And, we ought, and and dare I say, and I know this is going to sound a little harsh, but we ought to act like it as well, okay? They, didn't have, they had the law, which that was their schoolmaster, which was to point to Christ. You and I have a comforter that is different today because now we're looking back to the finished work of Jesus Christ. And now we're in a rejoicing. And this is going to all tie back in here in just a little while. But we have the ability to rejoice now. Because we see the finished work of Jesus Christ. They had a schoolmaster that was pointing them to Jesus Christ. He says, And the children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. And they kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in His law. And forgot His works and His wonders that He had showed them. And marvelous things did He in the sight of their fathers. In the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through. And He made the waters to stand as a heap. I think that would have been enough for me. You know, I mean, really, I mean, if you think about it, I think that would have been enough to, for me to, when they walk down to that portion of the Red Sea, and Moses hands up that rod, and he sticks it in the water, and all of a sudden those, those waters went boom. And they said it was like, gel, it's like almost like congealed like a gelatin, and they walked across dry shod. I would have been walking like, whoa. He's looking around just being like, you know but a lot of uh, probably a lot of the children of Israel at that time were not thinking about God they were focused on Moses probably just an idea we'll make we'll, we'll keep going it says And in the daytime also he had led them in a cloud and at night with a with a with a light by fire so during the daytime they had a cloud that was covering them and shielding them from Pharaoh's army that was pursuing them and at night it was a, uh, and at night with a, with a light of fly, with a light of fire he clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as out of great depths he brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers verse 20 it says and behold he smote the rock that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed can he give bread also can he provide flesh for his people we're going to talk a little bit about this but you think about the murmurings that were going on amongst the children of, of israel at the time and in in exodus 17 and we're going to go read this shortly here in a bit in a minute but it, You know, you think about the fact that he smote the rock and here comes gushing the waters. And the children of Israel's attitude was, well, can he give us some bread? You know, what about some flesh to eat? I remember in reading in Numbers chapter 11, one of my favorite chapters to read of the Old Testament, because it's kind of like a gross chapter. But in Numbers chapter 11, they're murmuring back to Moses and Aaron. They're like, hey, we remember the melons and the cucumbers and all the great things we were eating in Egypt. And they were murmuring in such a way because they were like, you know, all we have out here is this manna to eat. You know what they quickly forgot? forgot? The fact that they were in bondage in Egypt. That they were slaves. They quickly forgot those things. That But what they remembered is that their bellies were full. They remember those onions and the melons. And Moses said, you brought us out here to die. Okay? And those murmurings that were going on. So then could you imagine, after seeing the water come out of a rock, no water around the rock, He smites the rock, and out of the rock, you know, that's kind of like, you know, when He spoke into existence the world, out of nothing, He made something, okay? Out of the rock, there was no water, and here comes water, fresh water, for them to drink. Can He give bread also, can He provide flesh for His people? Therefore the Lord heard this, and was wroth, so a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also up against Israel, and... Because they believed not in God and trusted not in His salvation, they believed not in Him what He was doing for, to help them out. Keep going, and we could read verse thirty-five real quick. And they remembered that God was their rock and the High God their Redeemer. So they remembered, they turned back again. It was constantly a point of, okay, we're going to fall into a trap. Then I'm going to remember and go back to God. Then we're going to mess up again. Oh yes, the Lord is my rock. I'm going to return back. Sounds like you and me today, right? As we go through life, we mess up. Oh goodness, I need to give. I need to call my pastor. I Need to talk to him about this. I need to. I need to turn again. Adjust. I need to reckon, brother. I need to adjust my course. Uh, and uh, you know, that, and that's us today. And so they remembered the Lord, uh, their God, and who was their redeemer. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth and they lied unto him with their tongues, for their heart was not right with him. Sounds kind of similar to what was going on in the Pharisees' day in Matthew chapter fifteen. They they served him with their lips, but their heart was far from them. Why? Because they were following the traditions of men. That was the problem. They weren't, you know, think about being founded upon a rock who, and what's the rock? Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's the sorry, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's our rock. And that he was crucified and paid our sin. That, that's what we are founded upon. That's our foundation. And so here, what was going on with the Pharisees and what was going on with their fathers? Well, they were following the teachings of men. They weren't founded on the rock. The reason they kept falling off the rock is they kept replacing the rock. And how quick does it happen? Moses goes up to Mount Sinai after coming out of Egypt, and it was a blink of an eye as as Moses is up in the mountain while the Lord is giving them the Ten Commandments that he wrote with his finger. And what are they down there doing? They're building a golden calf. That's what they're doing. And that's us today. Just as quick as we come to church and we hear, oh, Brother Dolph or Brother so-and-so, oh, that was such a wonderful message. And then also we get back home to the and next thing you know, we're yelling at the TV because somebody didn't score a touchdown at NFL football Sunday package. Or, you know, we're upset. And then we go to work the next morning and we're upset at work, co-workers, because can't get along with people. And next thing you know, we're having to repent, ask for forgiveness. I so shouldn't have acted that way. And that's us. For their heart was not right with them, neither were they steadfast. They weren't steadfast. They weren't on that rock. And it's a daily challenge. It's a, it's a challenge that every single day you ought to be looking to the rock. Where am I founded upon? Because if I know if I'm there, I'm going to be steadfast because I'm not depending upon myself, I'm depending upon the rock. You know, there was one of those, one of those uh, down in Alabama, we have coast along the Gulf of Mexico. And one of the things that when they're building a new hotel, despite all the sand that's there on the, on the beach, they still got to drill those pillars down until they get down to bedrock. I had the opportunity back in 2007 to watch this 500-foot you know, big power plant stack being built. And I watched them just hammer for days, uh, rebar going down till it hit the bedrock. And then they would do their cement pours all the way down to the bedrock. Why? Because they're still doing, knowing the basic teaching of the Lord, you gotta be on the rock, okay? But but he being full of compassion forgave their iniquity. And I wanted to make sure I grabbed that. He says, but he being full of compassion forgave, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time turned he his anger away and did not stir up all his wrath. I'm so thankful for us that God does not pour out his wrath every time we mess up. Aren't you can you amen to that? Amen to that. I mean I'm so thankful that every time I mess up, the Lord doesn't just say, you know what, done with him. Hey, be, and treat me like Korah and his family when they rose up against Moses. He said, Hey, Korah, why don't you go stand out, you and your family, get them all together by your tent. And what did he do? just opened up the earth and swallowed them whole. I'm thankful he didn't do that to me. Over in Numbers 11, as we were reading earlier, when they were complaining about those melons and those onions, and they said, we want flesh to eat. We need flesh. What did he do? He rained down quail upon them so high, so many many meters high, so many meters long. He gave them so much quail that he he struck them with a plague while the flesh was yet in their mouth, and it came out their nostrils. You know, kind of disgusting, right? That's the wrath of our God. But you know what? It also teaches me not to murmur against God. Why don't don't I just trust Him? Why don't I be like David? I'm going to trust in the Lord because He is my God. He is my rock. He's my fortress. He's my shelter. Okay. He's my strong tower. So now we can turn over to 1 Corinthians 10 and we grab a few verses over there. And um, maybe we'll get to Exodus. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul's talking again to the church at Corinth. Now, we read in chapter 3 last night, we've got to be careful how we're building upon the foundation of that rock. And so what happens is from like chapter 2 for several chapters, and I I don't have it exactly memorized right now to which one, but he's rebuking them for all the things they fell into because they weren't established on the rock. They turned the communion service into a drunken feast. They weren't uh, disciplining a member of their church the way they should. They were being lax concerning that. They weren't giving as they probably should for the effort of the church. Uh, you know there were certain principles that he had to reestablish. He had to tell them that know you not in chapter six, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you which ye have, uh, which uh, ye have of God, and ye are not your own for ye've been bought with a price therefore glorify God in your body and in your, in your spirit, which are God's. He had to remind them, this temple that you are that you on, on this rock in what you're saying this is God's. We are the house of the Holy Ghost. So he's reminding them here and reteaching them, trying to get them back onto, it's about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So he reminds them here in chapter 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant, how that all of our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Didn't we just read that? They were under that cloud by day and they were by that pillar of fire by night, and they all passed through the sea. We just got done reading about this. Paul's reiterating this, teacher, this teaching about their fathers. And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. That rock that Moses struck there in Exodus 17 that is recorded there, was Jesus Christ following them. But with many of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were not, excuse me, now these things were our examples. What did I say about Romans 15? The things that were written before time were written for our learning. These things were recorded for examples for us, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Why did, how many things did they lust after? Well, they wanted kings. They wanted a king like all every other nation, so the Lord gave them kings. And they wanted judges, so He sent judges among them. You know? I mean, they lusted after this and after that. They, have to, they lusted after the women uh, in, in the land of Canaan that they, the Lord told them, don't, don't marry these women or, these, or, or, your, or your men under the daughters or the daughters under the men. Neither be ye idolaters, as, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. If you want to be founded upon the rock, if the church is going to be founded upon the rock, if your family is going to be founded upon a rock, you got to get serious about establishing your family on that rock. you got to teach them generational teaching, as we've already read. You've got to talk to them about who is the king. Do you know him? Do you really know about him? I think growing up, I think I had an idea who God was. But personally, in my mind, I think over the years, Christian, Christians in general, not to not, not back, I'm just saying Christians as a whole have taken God, this massive thing which the Bible describes for us, and we've done this. We've condensed him down and put him into this little box that he's love. And if you'll just talk to him every once in a while, if you give him all your money, everything's going to be all right. That's what Christianity has done. That's not the God I read about in the Bible. Is it? Is it the Bible? Is that the God you read about? Is that the God we're talking about this morning? No. Now, is it important to give to the church? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is it important uh, to, do, um, to come out to worship? Absolutely. We need to remember those things. But don't condense God down into your own thought or imagination. Brother Dolph was reading a quote on Friday about that. Instead, God is like the elephant that comes through the ceiling when he impacts your life. He's like the Kool-Aid man. Is what I'm going to use the Kool-Aid man. But, uh, you know, that comes in. He's like bust through the wall. That's the way our Lord operates. I love the scripture in Isaiah 55 that reads over there. He says, when his word is sent out, it doesn't return unto, return unto him void. It accomplishes whatever he pleases. Oh, that is awesome. And that's, I mean, so when you think about some of this, uh, as we're reading, neither be idolaters as some of them word, it rose up to play. Take this serious. Take it serious. Take raising up your children serious. Take the attendance of your church serious. Take it serious to pray for your pastor. Pray for his family. Pray for your song leaders. Pray for your church Have bonds and friendship here that are closer than anything else in this entire world. You ought to be the the closest you are right now should be established right here because you've come together of like mind, like faith. Being of one accord as as we talked about this weekend. But so many of us just want to rise up to play. I liken that to people who take their children to church all the years. They get to be 18, 19, 20, and they just leave and don't want nothing to do with the family anymore. And Then the mom and daddy come run to the pastor and say, I don't know what happened. I took them to church every Sunday. Yeah, but what did you do the other six days of the week? Your pastor in an hour on Sunday morning or maybe an hour on Wednesday night cannot teach you everything you need to know about the Scriptures. You're going to have to study it. Yeah, I mean, When I think about study, I also have to bring out this verse of Scripture over in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. It says, of the making of many books, there is no end. He says, much study is weariness to the flesh. You can go out here and learn all about a lot of things. Go to colleges, learn a whole lot. Go to educational places, learn a whole lot. i learn a lot on the job. He says, but you know what? If you want to pick one book to study, pick this one, okay? Amen. Pick one book. Study this one for a change. Find out what it, what it says. Because uh, you know what? If you're not raising up your children, if you're not doing, raising them up in the nurture and admission of the Lord, if you're not doing it, something or someone else will. Don't rise up to play. Take it serious." Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, and fell in the day in twenty and thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of serpents. Another portion of their, don't mean, as they were tempted, they, the Lord sent serpents among them, and then they had to fashion that brazen serpent, and whoever looked upon the brazen serpent was healed from the snake bite. But many died. Neither murmur ye, as some of them murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for, in samples, or examples, for us. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. They weren't on the... The whole point of this today is that the children of Israel weren't on the rock. And then the Lord was long-suffering with them until eventually, even Jesus, when He came, He says, I've not come but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then once the nation... You know, you read about it even over in, uh, in uh, John chapter 1. He says, He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. That of the Jewish nation. And so what happened? He says, lo, I turn to the Gentiles. That's us. And we, and we get to rejoice in that today. I'm so thankful to have that message today. He says, uh, that, uh, written for our admonition, and to whom's ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. That's what I wanted to get to. Sometimes you could think you're founded upon the rock. Ponder that. And I'm being as serious as I know how to be right now. You can think you're grounded. You can think you are rooted. But are you really? Do you know Him? Do you know, about, do you know enough about His Word? If somebody were to come to you and ask you, uh, how has the Lord impacted you in your life? What has He done for you? Can you explain it? Can you tell how awesome and magnificent our Lord is and tell Him just how much He's blessed you in your life? Or can you just... You know, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. I've known many people that thought they were grounded, that thought they were standing sure, standing fast. And lo and behold, the winds and the storms and the floods came, and great was their fall. Personal friends of mine, married, did awful things. Parents, I lived to hear them say, I don't know, we, we took them to church, destroyed their families. Well, I, got, I mean, I could, honestly, I could talk to you for days on, on this. People who got addicted to drugs and alcohol, hard drugs, destroyed their lives. But the whole time, if you talk to them, they're like, oh man, I'm fine. I ain't got any problems. Everything's good. I'm making, doing this, I'm doing that, everything. And then, I mean, I had a cousin. He was like, man, I'm making $400, whatever he was saying back 24 years ago. I guess it was now. He's like, look how great this is all going. Then like four months later, he gets booked in the county jail selling methamphetamine. Then I knew where all that money was coming from. 15 years probation. I'm telling you that story because if you talk to him, Hey, man, everything is good. I'm great. You know, get to know and be personal with, with folks. Okay? People may think they're standing strong, but take heed lest they fall. I guarantee you that children of Israel, when things were high and mighty and going, they were probably like, oh, it's great. Everything's wonderful. Next thing you know, they're murmuring and complaining. And what happened? The Lord had to correct them again. There is no temptation taking you such as common a man, but God is faithful and Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. The Lord did not say in that verse that you would not be tempted. He did not say that you wouldn't be tried. He did not say that there wouldn't be persecution or trouble come your way. But He said in all of those things, if you're founded, I believe if you're founded on the rock, that's your escape route. If you're looking to Jesus Christ, Isaiah 55 again. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Okay, why? Because he's, sh- he's your shelter. He's your ref- refuge. He's your strong tower. He's your high tower. He's the horn of your salvation. He's these many things. He's your rock in which you get to stand on and abide in, okay? And a comfort of the Holy Spirit today. Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. That temptation that He's not going to... He's going to... He's You know, what is that? Um, For the trying of your faith worketh patience, James chapter 1. Tribulation is going to come. Trial is going to come. You may lose a family member. You may get sick. You may lose a job. You may all of a sudden be in debt over your head and over your spouse's head and everything else. Get back to the rock. The Lord gave us, I mean, I know Brother Dolph here has preached many sermons about this, about handling finances. And about being debt free. I know he's done that. I've, I've listened to a few, a few of them over the years. And I can tell you, the Lord gave you a way to handle your finances. But don't we all wish for the year of Jubilee today? Amen? I still wish for that year of Jubilee just when it's all wiped away, right? Oh, I wish they'd bring that one back. But anyways. So if we can for this morning, continue on here in the glass part. I want to read to you two accounts. Let's turn first to Exodus 17. Exodus 17. And in Exodus 17, this rock that we've been talking about this morning, and we've already kind of told the story, but I want to read the account. In Acts chapter 17, it says in verse 1, And all the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin after their journeys, according to the commandment of the Lord, and pitched in Repahedim, and there was no water for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide with Moses and said, "Give us water that we may drink." And Moses said unto them, "Why chide ye with me? Wherefore ye you you tempt the Lord?" Even Moses at this point says, "Why are you asking me? You're tempting the. Lord. Why are you tempting the Lord with this? You know He's the one who brought you out of. It. At this point, Moses was in the right. I believe in the right state of mind. Okay. They've come out of Egypt. Moses knows it was by the hand of the Lord they were brought out of Egypt. He says, that, you know, in many accounts you can find it. Do you not remember the plagues that were sent amongst the Egypt? The frogs and the locust, the, the plague of blood, and and, the, and not only that, the first child of every born, the firstborn of every family in the land was killed if they didn't have the blood over the, on the doorpost. Okay, and the children of Israel saw all of that. And Moses is still in the right frame of mind of, I don't know why you're tempting, why are you tempting the Lord right now? And so Moses went and speaks to the Lord, cried unto the Lord, saying, what shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. He's like, you know, it's not my fault, Lord. <laughs> He's in the right state of mind. He knows that if the Lord is not blessing, following them, then he knows that it, I mean, if they're going to be delivered of this thirst, it's going to be by him. And so the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people, and take with thee the elders of Israel, and thy rod wherewith thou smotest the river. Take it in thy hand, and go. Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb. And thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come out water of it, and the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Messiah, and Meribah, because of the chiding of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Now, they did drink of, that, of the water that flew out, flowed out from that rock. But I like the blessed voice saying, Is this is the Lord among us? So I'm going to ask you, have you ever thought about that yourself? If you're establishing your family, your church, is the Lord among you? Take heed, lest you think you stand lest you fall. Do you believe the Lord is among you and in your family and in this church? If you do, rejoice. Be happy about it. You went this morning, I saw a few of you kind of coming, and I'm not picking, but y'all bear with me this morning. But I saw the way you came in, and some were just... You know, I I can look at your faces, and I can tell something's on your mind, you're distressed, you're worried. When you come to the house of the Lord, get excited, because now's the time to Worship. Because the Lord's in this place. the lord We want the Lord to be in this place. And then when you go home and out of this place, take some of Him with you and take Him back home with you. And let Him be in your homes. And then, if you know, I, I think it was brother, you mentioned about some work situations coming up maybe that you're facing. Take the Lord with you. Let Him be with you in those moments. Trust Him. You may not understand it, but just trust that God's words the right way. Take Him with you everywhere you go. Is the Lord among you? I sure hope He is. Because for without Him, we can do nothing. He tells us that over there. And in, in let's go read it. John chapter 15, where we've already been this morning. He says, um, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, he can do nothing. we got to have Him. we got to be founded upon that rock. I need that great God of mine. That is my high tower. Okay? He sees the dangers that I can't see. He can look around corners where I can't see around. I need Him. You need Him. We all need Him. In the world that we're living in today, I can tell you, we need our God and we need to be walking steadfast with Him. Because despite all the wickedness that can go on, He said He would never leave us nor forsake us. Okay? And we've got to start acting that way, that the Lord is with us every day. When somebody comes and confronts you, and maybe it's something that you don't agree with, have the courage to say, I love you for Christ's sake, but I just don't think that way. And it may hurt their feelings. It's okay. You're planting a seed. But continue to show them love and compassion. Be long-suffering. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Bear that fruit. And if you're bearing that fruit, we know we're doing it because the Lord's going to help us along That means we're yoked up with Him at that point. Because He can carry that load for us, and it's easy and it's light. Turn over to numbers chapter 20 and here's the warning. In numbers chapter 20 This is the second time the Lord the children of Israel cried out because they were thirsty. And how soon they forget. My encouragement, there's a, there's a whole message in not being forgetful. I could just take the word forgetful and go through the scriptures be not forgetful. Forget not this. Be not ignorant. Be not you know. Know some things. Knowledge. Not forgetting things. First uh, Corinthians chapter fifteen says the gospel. Uh, I'm just. I don't want to misquote it, so I can grab it in two seconds. Here he says. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I have preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherewith you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep it in. Memory, what I have preached unto you, you have, um, unless you have believed in vain. There's something to this not forgetting thing. We can't forget. We've got to know that where our, our destination is. And we've got to know who we're walking with each and every day. In Numbers chapter 20, they forgot again. In verse 7, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod... And gathered the assembly together, and I probably skipped over some things, and let me go back to verse 3 of Numbers 20 and grab this. He says, And the people chode with Moses and spake, saying, Would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord? And why have you brought up the congregation of the Lord under the wilderness, that we were, that we and our cattle should die there? And whatever and wherefore have ye made us to come out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is no place of seed, nor of figs, nor of vines, or of pomegranates. Neither is there any water to drink. They forgot again, didn't they? So Moses speaks unto, the Lord speaks unto Moses says in verse 8, Take the rod, and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye under the rock. Our Lord was only ever meant to be struck once. Okay. We already read in 1st Corinthians chapter 10 that that rock that followed them in the wilderness was Christ. And that example even even today stands that the Lord was not to be crucified again. We read over in Hebrews chapter 10 this. Verse 9, and then then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. He took away the first covenant that established the second covenant. And my idea on that is that the second covenant was the original covenant that he established between God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost before the foundation of the world, by the which, that we, which we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Verse 14, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that were sanctified. He was only meant to be crucified and beaten and shedding his blood once. Why? Because he was the perfect sacrifice. And you know what? If, he, if, if it wasn't for his sacrifice, then since the foundation of the world, the priest would have had been offering sacrifices daily. Hebrews tells us all about a lot of that. But I'm going to skip over that for now. But now Moses is instructed of the Lord, speak to the rock. What's the message to you and I today? Well, we're not here to crucify the Lord again. What we get to do post-death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is we get to talk to Him, right? So that we have, a, we have the ability to go boldly to the throne of grace to talk to Him. And that is the way we commune with our Lord today. We commune in prayer. We've talked about it this weekend. That we communicate through our singing. The psalms that we and the, and the hymns that we sing together. We communicate with God. We're to speak to Him. We're to talk to Him. So Moses here said, was commanded, Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation their beast drink. And Now I want you to pay attention to this, because this is strong. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels. Moses is in a different mindset than he was in Exodus 17. He's now frustrated because they've come complaining to him and now he's going he's to get lifted up in his pride. And I think for to this moment, Moses is thinking to himself and he says it. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? He's forgetting. Moses has forgotten it was... By the power of God that he had water to begin with. And I think that's you and I today sometimes. We forget that sometimes we get lifted up on, hey, look what I did. Are we really like King Nebuchadnezzar when he commanded and said, or when he said, looked out on Babylon and says, is this not great Babylon which I have built? Are we, do, do we, are we scared that we, that we, it happens to us? What if I were to wake up and say, look at this house, look at all I have accomplished. Look at look at my family, or look at this, or what if the, what if a pastor gets up and says, "Look at our church and look how great we are." Oh man, I'd be scared at that point. I'd be really nervous. It's all by the power of God. That's why Paul, when he was writing to the Corinthian church, and we read it last night in chapter three, he says, "Who's a Paul? Who's Apollos? We're but laborers. It's God that brings this increase." It's by the power of God that we're here. And if you have a good family, if you have a good marriage, praise God for it. If you have a good church, praise God for it. Praise the rock that is higher than I. He is our King of kings and Lord of lords. Don't get into this moment where you lifted yourself up in pride as Moses did. And what happened? Moses lifted up his hand and with his rod he smote the rock twice, which he should not have done. He didn't speak to it. But look what the Lord did. And the water came out abundantly. And the congregation drank, and their beast also. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Because ye believe me not to sanctify me in your eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation to the land which I have given them. Moses was punished. He was allowed to go up in a mountain and look over into Canaan's land, but he was not allowed to go in. That was his punishment, because he got lifted up in pride. He forgot. He said, the Lord told Moses, You didn't sanctify me in their eyes. In other words, magnifying God that He is the one by which they are being blessed. You and I today have got to begin to do more of that in our lives. When people ask you about your church, what do you tell them? you start talking about predestination or some other deep theological? Or do you just talk about how great God is for you in your life? That's what we need to start doing to our to our friends. Let me tell you how God's blessed me today. I've got two stories that I love telling people about how God has personally impacted my life where I saw the miracles of God like instantly in my life. And nobody can explain it except God intervened and I know he did. But pride is a is a is a filthy animal. It's a it's an evil spirit that is that we definitely need to get rid of. The last place that I want to leave today is over in Psalm 18. Our high king, our high tower, the rock of our, the horn of our salvation. I tell you, there is so much to learn about who our Lord is. Do you know him? Do you know enough about him? He wages war. Did you know that, I mean, this is something that people don't think about. Did you know that God has a sense of humor? Go read. Go read in the scriptures that God laughs, and I think a lot of times when I think about this, God's lots of times laughing at me. He's like, I told you what you do, and here you did what you wanted to do, and I told you what to do. But look what the situation is it's like. As Brother Bucky back home would used to tell us, he would say, "How'd that work out for you?" You know. And uh, so, but we have a rock in which we stand on. So let's read here in Psalm eighteen. We're giving a thanksgiving of deliverance. David's doing here. He says in verse one, "I will love thee, O Lord, my strength." Oh. One thing I haven't touched on, he's my strength, he's my courage. Oh, when things get hard, when things get troubled at work, oh, he's my strength, he's my courage. He can help me press on when I think I can't. He gives me the strength to just take one more step and another step and to challenge me day by day, all the while carrying me when I think I can't, he's telling me I can isn't that awesome what our Lord can do? He's our strength and courage. He says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler or shield, and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemy. Sounds similar to 2 Samuel chapter 22. Go and turn over to verse 31. It says, For who is God save the Lord? Who is he? Save the Lord. Is it, is it, is it, it, you know, who is your God today? Who are you putting in place of God? And I think so many times, as I told the folks last night, back home where I'm from, people put Alabama and Auburn football ahead of God. They put uh, hunting in front of God. They put everything in front of God. They put, oh, I have a sniffle in front of God. And yes, I'm serious. Just because you sneeze twice on Sunday morning is not a reason to skip worship service. It's okay. We're not going to hurt, you know, be scared of you because you sneezed a couple of times. Come here and let the Lord heal you. Maybe you'll re- realize just how rejoiced you, it, you, you can feel after coming and getting a little bit of the Holy Spirit. He says here, who, For who is God save the Lord? Who have you put in place of God? Is it your money? Is it your job? Who is God save the Lord? It goes back to the first command love the Lord thy God with all thy heart soul and my mind what did he tell the nation of Israel when, he, when those ten commandments wrote thou shalt have no other gods before me for who is our God save the Lord or who is the rock save our God if you're going to be founded on something be founded on the king of kings be founded upon the Lord of lords be founded on our high priest I tell you, be founded upon those principles. It is God that girds me with strength and makes my way perfect. If you got something to rejoice in, I'm going to remind you what Paul told the church, the church at Corinth. He told him in uh, Second Corinthians chapter, First Corinthians chapter ten. Told him in 2 Corinthians chapter ten. Had to tell him twice and says, "If you glory, let it. If anyone glory, let him glory in the Lord. If you're going to glory, glory in God this morning." He's going to set your way perfect. If I set my way, it's going to be imperfect. I'm probably going to fall off in a ditch here. I'm going to fall off into a ditch there. My way is going to be imperfect. It's going to be it's going to be flawed in some way. Why? Because I'm not looking to my rock. His way is perfect. We sing that song, uh, Jeremiah. Let's go grab it, or not Jeremiah. Deuteronomy 32, verse four. It says, He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all His ways are judgment. O God of truth, without iniquity, just and right is He. His way is perfect. Our ways aren't perfect. Okay? So let's keep that in mind as we continue on here. Verse 35, and we'll close here. Oh, excuse me, 46. We sang this song this morning. The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock. And let the God of my salvation and your salvation be exalted. We exalt His name, for He is our rock. Don't lift yourself up in pride as Moses did. Don't murmur and complain as the children of Israel did. Recognize that we have a rock, a foundation that standeth sure. 2 Timothy 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His, And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Help us to depart. Call upon the God who can help us to depart. Let's get busy serving Him and be a light to our community. Let's be the salt of the earth that He's called us to be. Why? He's worthy to be praised. And He lives. And because He lives, we'll live also with Him. God bless you all. And thank you all for this weekend.